This episode of Continuing Mission is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome everyone to another episode of Continuing Mission, our look at the ways in which fans are keeping Star Trek alive. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, and the primary focus of this show is on the fan series, or as I prefer to call them, independent productions, that tell new stories set in the Star Trek universe. Star Trek Equinox is a new film in pre-production that combines the original series time period with a very specific story element from Star Trek Voyager. The cast includes some names very familiar to Star Trek fans, including Gary Lockwood, who will be reprising his role as Gary Mitchell, best friend of James T. Kirk, from the classic TOS episode, Where No Man Has Gone Before, and John Savage, who returns as Captain Rudy Ransom from the Voyager 2-parter Equinox. Today, I'm joined by two members of the Equinox team, writer Cameron Burton and actor Eric Moran, to find out more about the project. Hello, Cameron and Eric. Thanks for joining me today to talk about Star Trek Equinox. I'm really happy to have you here with me on Continuing Mission. Well, thank you for having me. So this project is called Star Trek Equinox, The Night of Time. And it's interesting that it's set in, as I understand it, the original series time period, but it also has elements from Voyager in there as well. What can you tell me, before we get into the real story and what's going on, what can you tell me about just the genesis of this project? You know, how did you come together and decide to make Star Trek Equinox in the first place? Uh, well, some of the producers, um, I've, I've been an avid Star Trek fan since, uh, God, since I was a kid. Um, the thing is, um, I've been a pro wrestler for over... Close to 20 years, Eric Nyfus and I, um, we have a history in wrestling and what have you. And I'm also like an actor and, and, and I'm on tour right now with Wizard World for, you know, I host a lot of events and everything else. When Eric came to me, um, like a couple months back and he was like, well, hey, you know, how would you feel about being, you know, in a Star Trek, uh, project and you know i couldn't i couldn't wait to jump at the chance i mean you know who wouldn't want to who's an avid star trek fan and you know he told me about the role we couldn't he couldn't get so much into detail because we still we were developing uh the role that i was playing i was playing i'm playing as a Klingon, and again it's like one of my absolute dreams to always wanted to play in a Star Trek feature, to be able to play as a Klingon. Who wouldn't want to play as a Klingon? Right. Especially, I was an avid fan of Michael Dorn and a lot of uh, J.G. Helser. Um, so basically, um, as the project was coming together, you know, Eric told me the, the summary of what the story is, and you know, and it was developing uh, with John Savage, uh, Gary Lockwood from the original series. You had John Savage from the Voyager episode, Equinox episode. Um, and so... Basically, it's gotten a lot of uh, positive feedback. Um, Matt Stryker, who's also a pro wrestler, um, you know, he was on TMZ talking about it and everything. And uh, the buzz has been really positive so far. And, um, 
you know, basically it just it's just been like a, a, a ongoing thing, and with all these other um, Star Trek projects are that are out, this one has gotten a lot of attention on a lot of positive levels. So we've been fortunate enough, and and as the project has been growing, um, the people that are jumping aboard with us, it's been a great company so far. So. Like I said, again, I, I've just been really excited about this project. It sounds like it. Now, you, you said you wanted to play Klingon. I have to ask you, who's your favorite Klingon in all of Star Trek? I always, I always joke, but I always call him the hardest working man in uh, Star Trek, and that's got to be Worf. Yeah. It's got to definitely be Worf. He has so many different layers, and I think for me... Um, you know, since I'm a big guy, you know, it, it, it was so many different ways I could relate to Warp. But then when they when he went over to Deep Space Nine, his character really expanded. And I yes. love the fact that it was a more intricate story. And then between him and um, Dax and all, it was really powerful. And, and like I said, again, you know, it was something that drove me to want to play a Klingon. And, and also because they're, you know, they're honorable, they're, they're warrior, a warrior, uh, 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 a warrior, um, uh, what's that word I'm looking for? They're, they're like a warrior race. And, you know, to me, you know, me being a pro wrestler, me being a uh, United States Marine, all that summarized to me what, you know, Klingons are about honor and, and, and what have you. So when you see someone walking through the door as big as I am, automatically when you think of Star Trek, you're like, oh, yeah, he could play a good Klingon, you know. Um, I'm learning. Um, one of the things, one of the requirements Eric was like saying, well, you have to learn Klingonese. And my wife, uh, for the holidays, she got me a Klingon dictionary. So I'm still learning uh, a lot of the uh, terminology of Klingonese. And, and it's a slow process. And, and so, but, so, like I said, I've just been fortunate enough to want to be a part of something this big. And, and not only that, but it's just, like I said, again, it's reaching out to the fans. Um, I just did uh, Wizard World uh, St. Louis, and, you know, I was in Star Trek uh, Federation uniform. I was in the uh, D Space Nine um, first contact uniform. And, you know, I had a lot of fans that were coming, and they were asking me, well, you know, why are you in uniform? And, you know, yeah, William Shatner there, he was a featured guest, and, I was telling the fans about Equinox, and people were like, oh, my God, really? Oh, wow. And they couldn't wait to go to the site and, and check out, you know, everything about, you know, Star Trek Equinox. And like I said, again, it's been an ongoing fan drove, um, and a lot of the fans are really excited to see what's going to come out of this. So, like I said, again, it's it, to be able to play as a Klingon and to be able to play a character that I've always wanted to play in the Star Trek universe out of any kind of alien Klingon is where it's at for me. And to be able to play someone that I admire, like Worf, you know, I, I'm able to channel some of that attitude into the character. So I, I'm, I can't wait, to be honest with you. I cannot wait. I can imagine as a pro wrestler, when you were watching Deep Space Nine, you were probably thinking, I'm going to crack at those Jim Hadar when they were fighting Worf. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, like I said, again, it's just so many levels. I mean, you know, not for nothing, I met my wife through Avery Brooks, and, you know, it's a funny story. Oh, wow. I, I live here in Philadelphia. Avery is a college professor. A lot of people yeah. do that know. Right. And he came here speaking at the Franklin Institute here in Philadelphia, and, you know, um, through a mutual friend, I was uh, introduced through to Avery. So Avery knew my background as a pro wrestler and all. I'm sitting in the front. My wife comes, or at that time, the woman that would be my wife is coming out and Avery's got me sitting in the front and she's coming out and I'm like, come on, come on, sit over here. She, you know, she sits next to me. I like, like, you know, basically he's blowing me up on stage. He's like, Oh, you got 
you got the smoke here, the pro wrestler and actor and all. And Avery's just like, I'm, I'm saying to myself, oh my God, the emissary's just, just giving me a whole <laughs> bunch of buzzes. And it's like, for any Star Trek fan, at the same time, you're trying to yeah. keep your cool. At yeah. the same time, it's a surreal moment. Um, I, and then like maybe fast forward, we're doing a convention together. I'm, I'm, I'm appearing with Avery, uh, Crawlick. And we're in the dream room, and Avery goes to my wife, or at that time my fiance, and she's like, "What is it about the smoke that you know that you love? And smoke, you can't say no." And I'm sitting there like, "The emissary has spoken." So, like, it's 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 that fanboy moment where you're just like, "Wow!" And so to be able, when when Eric Knifers came to me and offered the role, I mean, for anybody that's a fan out there that's listening to your show, can understand that. That's a moment in time that you can never, you you know, you want to keep recapturing over and over again because you're just right. like, oh my, you get to play so, and then not only that, I'm a, you know, I'm a Voyager fan, I'm, I'm a John Savage fan, I'm a Gary Lockwood fan, so to be able to just be able to work with these talented, great veteran actors and, and, and be a part of the Star Trek lore, I mean, seriously, it is a dream come true, it's a true dream come true. That's fantastic. Great story about Avery. Wow, that that is very, very interesting. So, Cameron, this isn't your first foray into writing Star Trek. You wrote Star Trek Odyssey, A Light in the Dark, and you wrote Star Trek Origins, Wounds of War. How did the story of Equinox come together, combining these original series elements and Voyager elements, involving characters and settings of both? What can you tell us about the story and how you put the script together? Well, um, I was actually, it started off with uh, my doing a, an audio series of Star Trek Equinox. I was, gonna, I was planning to tell uh, the backstory of the crew from when they disappeared from the Alpha Quadrant until they encountered Voyager, because that's a lot of uncovered territory, you know. So we don't know what happened to turn them right. from a, star, a, star, a starship crew to the murderers and thieves that they were portrayed as on Voyager. And, you know, I just think a story like that would be rather fascinating premise for a series, but that's not what this project is about. It's a sequel and prequel of sorts, depending on how you look at it. Um, anyway, not long after we released the, uh, the first episode of the audio series, Eric Ninehouse came to me on Facebook and uh, mentioned that he was, pl- he was doing a project with John Savage about Equinox and you know, and then uh, he and I just continued exchanging messages, and it soon turned to phone calls. And then he asked me, we need a script writer for this project. John Savage actually came up with the premise for the story, but we, they needed somebody to flesh it out, to develop it. And so they sent me John's premise, and I just, well, it expanded into the script for the project that we're doing together. And... You know, it, it just it came out fast. I mean, I finished the script in about three days, and sleep became a distant memory. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was it was very exciting. The thought of actually being able to write a script that'll be filmed and uh, well, for someone like me, you know, how often does a regular Star Trek fanboy get a chance like this? Seriously. Right. Exactly. You know, it, it's an it's an amazing opportunity, and I'm just so thrilled about all this. It's a dream come true for me too. So after I finished the script, I gave the basic presentation to Eric Ninehouse and his manager, and to John Savage over the phone. 
they love the script, they love the premise, and so Eric has been, Eric Ninehouse has been trying to uh, get the get all the funding together to set it up and get it filmed. We're planning to do this year. Excellent. So so the concept here is that this takes place. There there has to be a time travel element involved here, right? Because this takes place 15 years after the destruction of the Equinox. And of course, John Savage, right. who we're talking about, played Captain Ransom in the two-part Voyager episodes of the same name. And he is going to be, after the Equinox is destroyed, he's held prisoner in the Delta Quadrant, but somehow he ends up in a TOS time frame? That's correct. That's correct. That was actually the main idea of, of John's uh, premise was for the, to be thrown back into the 23rd century after escaping from the Cretonan Guard, whom you might remember they were mentioned on the Voyager 2 part, but nothing else was ever established about them. You know, and for the audio series that we were doing, we were actually developing the Cretonans more fully. And, you know, when I described some of the stuff to Eric Ninehouse, that's what, that's one of the things that made him offer me the, the, the job, I think. So we will actually get a look at the unseen Cretonan guard in this and what they've been doing to Ransom for the last 15 years. And I'm not going to give any details on how. I don't want to give any way, away any spoilers, except that he does end up in the uh, TOS era where, he, where Gary Lockwood plays, resumes the role of Gary Mitchell. And yes, he is still alive, despite being supposedly crushed on Delta Vega in the pilot of the original series. Will there be, and again, you may not be able to answer this without spoilers, will there be any explanation, any backstory for Gary Mitchell that connects what we saw at the end of Where No Man Has Gone Before to the, the fact that he is here now in this story? Yes, there is an explanation for it. Excellent. Um, I don't know if I can. I'm not sure if I should go into detail. There has been a little, um, a little video that Gary Lockwood filmed uh, circulating online. Uh, it's also on Eric's Eric Ninehouse's uh, YouTube account page. You can see it there. Um, but basically, what the video establishes is that when he was crushed under the rocks, it didn't kill him, but it did hold him and his powers at bay. So Starfleet came for him to examine the mutation of what they thought would be a dead body, but he was still alive. And now they he no longer wants those powers. So, yeah, he is alive. And that's all you're going to get out of us, because we we don't want to give too much away on it. The whole, right. the whole, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to yeah. say is that he no longer wants the powers. That's quite eloquently, that's quite bluntly stated in the, uh, pre, in the teaser video. So... Right. And that he and Jim Kirk are no longer friends. Well, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be friends yeah. if I had been. I had been crushed either. But I, I was curious because I think that's one of the first things that when you have a character that comes back like that, it's there. There are many fans where that's one of the first things they'll ask is how can that character be there. So it'll be very interesting in the story to find out how that all plays out because that's another layer in addition to this whole idea of Captain Ransom being thrown back into the 23rd century. The other thing is, too, not just on Eric Nyfus's, uh page, but you can 
check out the Equinox page on Facebook as well. Um, we have a lot more details, and as well, uh, like uh, Cameron said, you know, you get to see uh, Gary Lockwood's video and, and a slew of other little videos, as well as um, updates of what's going on on production end and um, um, the cast end and, and everything else. So if people are interested in wanting to know uh, updates on what's going on with Star Trek Equinox, you definitely want to check out the Star Trek Equinox uh, fan page on uh, Facebook, definitely. Definitely. Well, let's talk about that casting a little bit more. So, Eric, we already know that you're going to play a Klingon. And in addition to others, so we talked about John Savage is going to be there as Captain Ransom. Gary Luckwood is reprising the role of Gary Mitchell. Who else is on board? And uh, what other roles can we expect to see? And and how did you cast everybody? Well, it's actually Eric Ninehouse who's who's directly involved with the casting. Um, I can tell you a bit about some of the characters that we're expected to see in this, though. As already mentioned a few times, uh, we got John Savage reprising his role as Rudy Ransom and Gary Lockwood as Gary Mitchell. I think those are pretty self-explanatory. And in the 23rd century, uh, Blanca Blanco is playing a Vulcan science officer, Lieutenant Telexa, on a Starfleet ship that mainly features in in this project. Now, a Starfleet ship in here is actually, and this is an interesting connection, of course, it ties into the name, but we know in the Voyager episode that that was the USS Equinox that Ransom was the Mm -hmm. captain of. And even here on the top of the Star Trek Equinox.com page, you guys have the NCC-1832, the USS Equinox, which uh, looks a lot like maybe a slightly earlier version of a Miranda-class ship, like the Reliant. That's what it's designed to be. Yeah. And this is the this is the lead ship in the in the show? Yes. What can you tell us anything more about the ship? Well, uh basically it's just an earlier design of the Miranda class, you know. It's a Telexa is the science officer on that ship. And Eric Eric Ninehouse is also playing uh playing the navigation officer on this and our chief engineer uh is being played by John Cap- Cap- I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, Capellos. Apollos, yes. Yeah, he's playing our chief engineer. I'm also curious, is this Equinox ship, is this the ship that finds Ransom or recovers Ransom? I'm true. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really reveal. Uh, okay. You know what? I think, I think no it's way. already self-explanatory. <laughs> I can say yes. Okay. Well, I, what I found interesting and what I'm looking forward to seeing is that it almost feels like one of those situations where the universe is pulling individuals. It's like their fate and the universe is tugging them to to bring this one character from a ship named Equinox to a ship named Equinox. The universe works in strange ways. <laughs> we also, um, I, another cast member that I just, that I forgot to mention was Samantha Lockwood is playing uh, the ship's nurse. Right. And that's Gary Lockwood's daughter, actually. Yeah, she's playing nurse Christine Roddenberry. So, oh wow! I like I like it's the name that you guys picked for that for her. You know, <laughs> well, nice little wing for the fans. Yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. Although Eric Eric Ninehouse actually suggested that one, but mm-hmm. you know we're looking for. Like I said, um, I think it's a good name for the nurse. I'm. It's a nice tribute. I, oh yeah, well, yeah I, I, I like to think so. I like to think so. That's one of the reasons I liked Admiral Forrest so much on Enterprise, because right. he was meant as a tribute to DeForest Kelly. Yeah, so. absolutely. So so it sounds like you've got a great cast pulled together. 
Now, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes with these independent films because you have, of course, as you would with any TV show, you have makeup, you have visual effects, prop design, set design. But of course, you don't necessarily have the resources that a TV studio has when they're doing, in this case, let's say Star Trek Voyager on a weekly basis. So you have to pull together a great team to work behind the camera as well. Who all do you have working behind the scenes on this? Oh, well, I don't know if we have a director uh, solidly committed to the project yet. That's Eric's, Eric Ninehouse's department. See, there's certain areas, there's certain areas that, you know, right now they're in development and that are moving forward and everything. Some of it is going to be a surprise to a lot of people. And some of the production and, you know, we can't reveal yet. We're not allowed to speak on yet. But all I can tell you is a lot of people are going to be pleasantly surprised to see who's attached with us on the production end. Um, so that, that part I can tell you. That part I definitely can tell you. Excellent. So what kind of time frame do you guys have for production right now? Um, from what I understand, we're going to be shooting um, in the next month or so. And um, once it starts, everything is going to start moving forward. I can tell you that we're going to be doing some special panels. The first one is going to be in uh, Chiller, uh, the ChillerCon. Uh, in New Jersey, and then right after that, we're looking to do Wizard World Philadelphia in June, and then right after that, it's going to be San Diego Comic-Con. Plus, we're going to be um, debuting some of the new uh, toys that are going to be coming from that, from GB Toys. So you have toys uh, for tied into Equinox? Yes. Oh, interesting. What, what kind of toys could we look forward to? Um, some of the characters from um, the Equinox uh, uh, movie, um, a lot of people are going to be really liking the characters. Of course, you're going to have Captain Ramsom, uh, Gary Lockwood's characters. You're going to have a lot of different characters from the, uh, from the cast, and that's going to be interesting because, again, it's a surreal moment when you're made into an action figure, and people can say, I got your action figure and, right. and everything else. So you get immortalized on that end. So it's it's really something. So Eric has really been putting a lot of things together, and it's just been coming together nicely. You know, you're going to – in any production that you're dealing with, you're going to have your ups and your downs and all. But so far, with the little ends that we've had where we had our moment, slow moments and our high moments, things are moving forward. So with – with the with the action figures coming out, um, with us doing, um, you could say like a mini tour as far as promoting East Star Trek Equinox, uh, we're going to be surprising a lot of people with the production and and showing a lot of people what's to come from Equinox. So I think, like I said again, as, as in the upcoming weeks, um, you'll be hearing a lot more updated news on what's going on, both on the cast end as well as on the production end. So I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised to see what's going to happen out of this. I would definitely say so. I mean, the the amount of time that Eric Ninehouse is putting in on this project, it just baffles my mind. I mean, the man it seems like the man has no off button. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's like Eric calls me up and he's like, dude, wait, uh, make sure you do this. Make sure you mess with And I mean, I go and I do a lot of, with me doing a lot of the, I'm on the, since I'm on the Wizard World Tour, and of course they promoted it on their uh, site and all. Um, between all the productions, I, I just became a comic book character for DC Comics. So, oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, and it's been a lot of good things happening um, as far as where my career goes. So, with Star Trek Equinox, that was like the highlight of my new year. So, 
among with that and then being able to work Wizard World, uh, to be able to promote Equinox on the Wizard World Tour. Um, you know, I'm doing, uh, it was funny, I was in um, Wizard World Portland, and uh, it was Good Day Portland, um, Good Day, like, good, it's like, like our version of Good Day Philadelphia here in Philadelphia. Um, it's a morning show, and the host of the show is an avid Star Trek fan. In fact, when he was interviewing me, he was in a Spock costume, so when I told him about Star Trek Equinox, man, he could not stop talking. He was telling uh, his news crew live on TV, and people were like, oh, my God, um, the, the, the link is out on the um, Star Trek Equinox page, but people were going nuts, and it's it's created a, a large, amazing buzz uh, with Matt Stryker, who's also a pro wrestler, wrestled for uh, TNA and the WWE. He, you know, he's attached to it. Um, you got a lot of great select, uh, great actors, actresses that are attached to this uh, amazing project, and so. For me, it's just, like I said, again, you know, I, I've done my share of acting, I've done my share of independent films, as well as TV and all. So to be able to work with this great cast, um, to see Eric in action, as Cameron said, you know, working day and night, and he's working behind the scenes and trying to get a lot of stuff off the ground, and which he has done, it's amazing to see it. To be able to work with John Savage, Gary Lockwood, who can say, how many people can say they've got a chance to work with some Star Trek alumni, and not only that, but you're 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 an avid fan on top of that. You're not just an actor going into it saying, oh, "Okay, right. I'm doing it," you know, to get exposure. For me, as a fan, for Cameron, as a fan who's a writer and he's writing about, it, and his story is coming to life, attached with John Savage's imagination of what would happen. This is what's going to happen after. Voyager, I mean, seriously, it's like, like, like Cameron said, it's a dream come true, but at the same time, you're a part of that history. You're, you're making Star Trek history. So to, to, for us, for me and Cameron, you know, it's kind of surreal. I, I, I know it's surreal for you, Cameron, but it's definitely surreal for me. Definitely. I would definitely say surreal. You know, it's like, you know, you're, we're, do, we're doing all this work to get it ready and going, but it's like it's not actually really real until we – get it filmed or start filming. Right? I, I think for me, I mean, like like for Cameron, I think for me, when the day that I walk on set, and that's coming soon, uh, the day that I put on that makeup, because Eric already told me, he was like, well, I'm letting you know now, you're going to be sitting in that production chair, you're going to be in there for a couple hours, because they're going to put the makeup on. I cannot wait. I mean, you know, you see it in the making of, when they, when they show you the making of Star Trek, or the making of Deep Space Nine, or Voyager, or Next Generation, and you're sitting there, I'm pretty sure both of you all have been to Star Trek panels when they talk about that. Michael Dorn talks about, you know, right. putting on the makeup or, or Brent Spiner talking about putting on makeup, you know, to play his data and there's hours and, and they have their stories to tell and all. So for me to be able to say, yeah, I'm going to be able to eventually go to a Star Trek convention and, and do a panel about Star Trek Equinox and talk about my experiences as far as the makeup and, and everything else. It's, it's cool to be a part of that. It's cool to be able to look back on those years, you know, down the road and say, yeah, I was a part of something, you know, that, that, that basically I grew up on that helped me become the man that I am and to help us become the people that we are and to be able to live the lifelong dream of being a part of that. I mean, seriously, I'm a loss for words on it, you know? I would be too. I, I understand. I did want to ask you, Eric, you're talking about the toys and the action figures as well. Now, as yes. a professional wrestler, your wrestling mm-hmm. name, The Smoke, yes. did you did you never have a smoke action figure made for you? Be- believe it or not, um, I have. Not only just by fans, but um, 
like I had my first uh, comic book uh, be a character in a comic book, and um, they were developing an uh, action figure for me. Recently, uh, someone did a 3D scan of my DC comic book character. Okay. And as a matter of fact, there's a picture of it on my um, Facebook page, and I'm holding it and everything. I was sending it to DC Comics just to say, hey, if you guys decide to make it, you know, the, the action figures, now DC makes all these action figures. I can, you know, to, for me to be able to see that action figure and be able to say, I, I, got, I got a couple boxes of, of my action figure. And with, and with Equinox, to be able to say, hey, you know, with GB Toys, I'm like, I'll be able to have my own Klingon action figure. I mean, seriously, it will be, be a hell of a Christmas gift to give to everyone. The fucking family would. and everything. <laughs> so, you know, you've, you've I mean, how many people say, yeah, I, I gave my Christmas gift was, uh, you know, my, uh, you know, giving them a, a Star Trek action figure of myself. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> you know, is you, that conceited? No, no. Uh, as a pro wrestler, you know, to be able, you know, for Eric, and, and like I said, again, with Eric and I, we have a history in the wrestling business going way back. So Eric knew me, you know, as the smoke character developed. And so to be able to um, have all these good things happen, and then Eric calling me up and saying, you know, how would you feel about playing the Klingon? I mean, who could, who could ask for anything more? So like I said, again, it's just been great. It's just been absolutely fantastic. Well, the toys, I assume, are one of the ways of funding the production of Equinox. It's actually one that I, I people do merchandise. I can't recall any of the recent independent films that have actually done toys directly, which is a great way to do that. How else are you funding Equinox? Because it, it does come, you know, it takes a lot of money to produce these films. It's a fraction of the cost of a studio television series, of course, but it still requires a lot of money. How are you funding Equinox? How's that going? And how can people help support the project if they would like to help out? Well, the the main thing is, well, let me answer on this part. With Eric Knifus, uh he handles a lot of that portion. So, when you know, he would have to get more into detail. But I can tell you this. Um, things, uh, the production end, uh, as far as the financial end, is looking very good. For people that want to show the support for Star Trek Equinox, um, that have questions that and how they can contribute or anything else they can w- want to do to help the project, um, they can contact us on the uh, Star Trek Equinox uh, webpage on uh, for StarTrekEquinox.com or go to our Facebook page um, for Star Trek Equinox. So there's two different outlets you can go to, and um, once you contact Eric or any of the production crew, they'll be able to tell you. Now, as far as the, like I said, the financial end, um, the, the backing and all, all I can tell you is, from what I understand, things are... They, you know, things are moving forward and things are moving very good. So, like I said, again, it's just, we, you know, we had our obstacles in the beginning. Let's like any other production, you, you have your obstacles, but then once you climb over that hump um, and you get the obstacles knocked away, sky's the limit. So when the time comes and Eric comes on the show, I'm pretty sure he'll have a more in-depth um, explanation behind how he got it all together, but from what I understand, things are moving forward and it's looking really good. It's looking really good, and I can say that as not only just as someone who's like you know casted for the film, but as an avid fan because you know, like you said, you know, people out there like myself that when you see movie productions or film productions of things that are coming out, we want to know like you know, have they started moving forward yet? You know, you know the production and so. Like I said, in, in seeing the fact I work in front and behind the camera, 
um, yeah, those things play into play. Those things come into play. So, yeah, but, you know, when when you're hearing people telling you, hey, we're moving forward, we start shooting soon, things are, you know, really looking up, it's, it's an exciting thing. And like I said, when you check out the uh, Star Trek Equinox.com page, um, or the Facebook page, you're, you know, like I said, you're going to get current updates. You're going to get updates from Eric directly, from my uh, myself talking about it, the cast, um, the production, and Cameron. And like I said, again, so all you have to do is just stay tuned and then check out the uh, sites, and you'll get more updates as uh, time goes on and the weeks uh, progress. Excellent. And Cameron, one last question for you as the writer. Now, this is Star Trek Equinox, colon, The Night of Time. Do you see this, because it, it actually has a name attached to Star Trek Equinox, like a, a series, do you see this as the writer, as something that would be ongoing? Do you see future stories for the Equinox crew? I actually do. I I do think that this production has the potential to uh, uh, continue into further stories with this, with this ship and crew. And I'm hoping that that's what's going to happen with this project. I think it has amazing potential and we have not had a Star Trek series on TV so to speak in almost 10 years since Enterprise went off the air right and I don't know about you guys but I have really missed having my Star Trek on TV I, I agree I mean not only that I mean seriously um, you know with exception of the movies that you, you know you got a chance to see Abrams uh, uh, reimagination of Star Trek um, for me personally like like uh, Cameron said, you know, I grew up watching Star Trek, so there's been no portion of my life other than when I went into the military where I did not have a Star Trek uh, series on that was, like, currently on. So, like, you know, for that 10-year stretch, it is kind of awkward because it's like you're sitting there, you're waiting in anticipation for something to come. So, when you know, with Star Trek Equinox, it's like I said again, it's like, okay, Yes, it's about time. It's it's long overdue. Let's let's get it out there. And I really feel, um, from what I've seen of the script, um, it, I got a feeling that once it starts to play, I think a lot of people are going to be wanting to see more. And I think there's going to be a lot more stories to tell. So, like I said again, I'm I'm excited about it personally. I'm extremely excited. And Cameron, I'm saying personally, thank you for, you know making this a reality because seriously you're you're making all of our dreams come true for this really well thank you eric i appreciate that and yeah i do uh i've, I've actually been uh playing around with ideas in my mind for future stories and where the series can go so um yeah i've already been putting in a lot of overtime on this project myself and not just writing the script for our for our for the filming project that we're trying to get uh, accomplished, but for future ones also. So we, uh, there's definitely a lot of potential coming through the pipeline and hopefully, uh, this, this project will get a big enough response to make the other scripts a reality. <laughs> that's what I really like to see happen. Yeah, that's good to hear. That's what a lot of fans want. I know that I think the question that we get, and we talk about Star Trek continuously on Trek FM, we have 16 shows. So you can imagine how much we talk about Star Trek. And one what, what of the questions that we get most often from people is, do you think there will be a new Star Trek series 
on television anytime soon. So the fans are are definitely with you guys and just itching for Star Trek to return to a weekly format on television and to get more and more stories. Definitely. I definitely want to see it come back. Yeah, and, and it's been, like, like Cameron said, it's long overdue. I mean, seriously, it's just long overdue, and especially with this next generation of kids that are coming up that, that have missed, like like you said, ten, there's a 10-year point where a lot of kids have missed what it's like. Like for the last maybe 40-something years, a lot of the generations in the last 10, 40 years have grew up around Star Trek, whether it's Next Generation, whether it's Voyager, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine. I mean, you know, so there's a gap that a lot of these kids won't, you know, get a chance to experience, have that Star Trek experience growing up, whether they have a little bit of experience or a lot. So we need to bring it back on TV. And then, like I said, with Star Trek Equinox, it's a step in the right direction. It's definitely a step in the right direction. Definitely. And, well, and you know, while, while I do enjoy uh, – I, I did like J.J. Uh, Abrams' two movies, and I'm looking forward to the next one, but, you know, I'm – Let's face it, it is a reimagining of Star Trek. It is not Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek. And right. you know, I, don't get me don't get me wrong, I did like JJ's efforts. They were very well told, but he is an action movie director and Star Trek is not only action. Right. But you know, well, I mean, I mean to me I was I was to, like, uh, like I'm just looking forward to helping bring back in the other elements that made up Star Trek besides the action. Right. I mean, for me, I mean, like like Cameron, I, I was a fan of the of, of both films. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you had Carl Urban who definitely channeled Bones. Um, you know, I, I thought Zachary Quinto's performance and then the Chris Pine, all the entire cast did a good job. For me, um, you know, people used to complain about, oh, it's it's this and that, and I keep telling people all the time, people, alternate universe, it's not. It does, and, and, the, and the cool thing about Abrams' Star Trek, it doesn't take anything away from classic Trek right. because of the fact that, that it takes place in a whole time. JJ's efforts, though, is that it, it started things over, and that, but it didn't wipe out anything else that had been done before. I thought that was actually a very, very clever piece of writing on JJ's part. Exactly. Because I think that was the truth of a lot of uh, uh, me, especially as a fan. You know, we were all like, well, does that take away everything that you know, Rod Mary and everybody wrote and everything. So, you know, the only thing is, I think for me, and, and maybe Cameron, I don't know if you agree with me on this, to me, like Rod Mary um, and and others that, that basically helped direct and produce some of the shows, um, to me, I feel much comfortable when someone like Cameron or, or someone someone that's a true fan of Trek is is is, a, is behind the writing the writing uh, development of a Trek series because seriously I don't want someone like when Abrams made the, the comment about he wasn't a Star Trek fan but he kind of knows what the Star Trek fans want to me that's not I'd rather have a true fan that gets it that knows everything that knows about Trek and that appreciates Trek and, and remembers and reminds themselves of Rottenberry's vision of what Star Trek was truly about and like you like Cameron said, it's not a whole bunch of it's not always about action. It's about the morality of life and the how the, we treat each other and everything else. I mean when I got out of Star Trek was that. You had the action of course. Like Ron Berry used to say, it's a it's a it's a cowboy western in space. 
So I want that element back. I, I want that full element back. Not just, look, I can punch out someone because I'm the captain. I want someone that basically you gave me a reason because you made me understand why this character did what he did, and, and there, was a, there was a morality part about it. Uh, right. And that's what, to me, Star Trek has always been about to me. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do with Equinox and seeing the story when it comes out. And I really appreciate your time today telling all of our listeners about it. And I hope everyone will go check it out and uh, get involved. And I look forward to talking to you down the road when uh, Equinox is actually out there. See, I'm just practicing right now, so I had to get into that whole idea of speaking Klingonese. Kapla! Okay, see? There you go. Very good. Got a little sleep preview of what's to come. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, thanks again so much, Cameron and Eric. Well, thank you for having us on. Glad to have been Absolutely here. Looking forward to talking to you more. Absolutely. Definitely looking forward to more. I hope everyone enjoyed the discussion with Cameron and Eric today. It's an interesting story concept to connect Voyager and the original series, especially since in many ways Voyager was set up as a return to the TOS model of visiting strange new worlds after the galaxy had become really quite familiar and crowded during the next generation. Now, as Steve Jobs would say, there's one more thing. After we recorded the interview that you just heard, something new happened. We talked a bit during the interview about the merchandising element of funding Equinox, and the production teams have now launched a Kickstarter for this. The Kickstarter is called Star Trek Equinox The Night of Time First Look Trailer, and the goal is $20,000. It's progressing well as I record this and is already around 30% funding. Now, the goal of the Kickstarter is to raise funds needed to shoot a short trailer at the end of May. Pledgers can receive the action figures that we discussed during the show today, as well as a crew t-shirt. And there are also some preview videos there as well to help you find out a little bit more about Equinox and, and what they're doing with the story. So if you'd like to see Equinox made, drop by and make a contribution. We'll put a short link in the show notes, and you can also easily get there through a button in the left-hand sidebar on the Equinox website at StarTrekEquinox.com. Well, it's been great learning about the film from Cameron and Eric today, but this is just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's a quick look at some things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Montgomery Scott. It's really just there to tell a story that they couldn't tell with Kirk or Spock or McCoy. This is true. An episode where Kirk is framed for the murder of a hooker would be... Right. Awesome. Completely different. It would be awesome, but... Earl Grey. Ships of TNG Part 2. Commander Riker, why would you protect the inferior (laughs) ship? I want its treasure. I want the other ship. Darren, how long have you been keeping that one in your pocket? Yeah, I like that. That was good. (laughs) The Ready Room. Scientific method. She tells the the the, guy, the woman that comes on the bridge, and she's like, "Well, it doesn't, you know, it it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to drive into these stars. It's going to be great." Like it's like <laughs> I'm just like the orb till death do us part. His are, are are very quizzical in nature. They they're of the scientist. They're of the somebody who who is willing to accept. Okay, where what is this reality? What's going on? She's just all like, tell me what to do right now. You know, like, she, right. She, there's nothing spiritual about her 
to the journey. One versus doctor's orders. I was working full time on top of being a full time student, and I listen. I don't, I don't want to hear your excuses. Okay, I don't want to hear them. <laughs> Like life was happening, and a great man once told me, "If something's important to you, you make the time." Warp five. Undeveloped enterprise stories. But the idea here is that Porthos would become intelligent and would be the only member of the crew capable of communicating with a canine alien. So even Hoshi apparently couldn't figure out this dog language. Commentary: Trek stars. The full Shimera. I loved. I'd love to see an X Files one shot with Scully and and the hookers. With know? Scully and the hookers, yeah. that's a great name for that's a what band. We can call it Scully and the hookers. <laughs> Melodic tracks. Five musical favorites. You know, I don't completely hate the opening theme. I, I just really think that Archer's theme should be the opening credits. Continuing mission. Star Trek Axelar with Alec Peters. That's what we posit. We say it makes sense that at this point we know it's from it, from TOS. They're not integrated, so our crews are not integrated, uh, and and we make a point of that. We don't avoid it. We make a point of it. And in Prelude to Axonar, they talk about that. Literary treks. IDW Alien Spotlight Part One. Well, Chris, <laughs> it's okay because they can see the Romulans from their house. That's right. So from space you know you betcha you know that's okay i can see the romulans from my uh, from my starship it's gonna be fine and that's what else is happening on trek.fm so check out all of these shows and get your daily trek talk fix we have new trek talk for you every day of the week and some days we even have two shows for you and you'll find them in a wide variety of places including itunes stitcher tune in Windows Phone directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream or download from our website. And if you're in iTunes, be sure to visit our new home in the iTunes store, where you'll find our dedicated artist page and section where we're able to group and highlight our shows and episodes to help you find past content that you may not have heard. It's really hard for me to believe, but we are quickly approaching 1,000 episodes of our shows here on Trek FM. So there really is a wealth of interviews and discussion, character analyses, all kinds of things there waiting for you in our back catalog. So check it out. And the quickest way to get to it is simply to go to iTunes.com slash Trek FM. And we really do thank Apple for extending an invitation to us to become a key content provider and giving us this beautiful section inside the iTunes store. And we also really thank you guys out there who are listening, because if it weren't for you, well, we wouldn't be here in the first place. So thank you so much. Also, while you're there, if you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a star rating and a written review. We love to hear from you. And it does help other Star Trek fans find continuing mission as they're searching the iTunes store for different Star Trek content. Now, if you'd like to send us your thoughts on the Equinox Project or anything about Star Trek, you can do that in a variety of ways. You can go to our website at trek.fm contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Continuing Mission, and that'll come to us by email. You can also send us a voicemail through the website, or you can go to our forums at trek.fm forums to talk to us and other listeners about this show, about fan films and independent productions, or really anything about Star Trek. 
that you'd like to discuss with others. Again, that's over at trek.fm slash forums. Now, if social media is your thing, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. And you'll find us on Twitter where we're tweeting away about Star Trek all the time under username trek.fm. If you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter as well. My username is C. Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that same username, as well as on my personal website at cbrianjones.com. And then elsewhere on the network, I do quite a few shows. I do two shows with Matthew Rushing. The first is Literary Treks, where we talk Star Trek books and comics, and we interview authors. The other one is The Orb, where we talk exclusively about Deep Space Nine. I also do Warp 5 with various guests, and that show is exclusively about Enterprise. I have a show called Matterstream, which is another interview show about science and social issues and creative topics that are loosely connected to Star Trek or inspired by Star Trek. And then you'll find me together with hosts from all across the network every week on The Ready Room, where we talk about Star Trek news and all five live-action Star Trek series. So check out some of those shows and find out what else I'm talking about with everyone every week. Before I let you go, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, who helps us bring continuing mission to you, and that's Audible.com. They are the best source for audiobooks you'll find online. They have over 150,000 titles waiting for you right now, and they add new titles every week, hundreds of new titles, in fact. When books are released these days, they usually come out hardcover or paperback, and they have an audio version as well, and you can get that at Audible. They also have other bestsellers, and they have classics as well, lots of Star Trek books too. It's really just a great way to read all of the books that you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. I've been getting my audiobooks from Audible for 14 years now, and I have no plans to stop anytime soon. I know you're going to love it, and as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with the trial to see just how great Audible is. And all you need to do for that is to go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up. Choose any book you want, absolutely free. And if at the end of the trial, you decide Audible's not right for you and you want to cancel, there's nothing to lose because you get to keep that audiobook. So again, check it out at audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we really thank Audible for their support of Continuing Mission and the network. And of course, we thank you as well for supporting Audible and the network here and all of our Star Trek discussion. Well, that's it for our show for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Join me again next time on this Continuing Mission and let's see what's out there. <laughs>